Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, Glück kann man nicht kaufen, aber Eiscreme, das ist fast das Gleiche. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon. He bloody loves a good old pickled fish, Maddox. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. It's been a busy, busy weekend of neun euro uh, train travel and... Yeah, just lots of trains, like accumulatively over the weekend, 12 hours worth of trainage. So I went to Hamburg. When I saw you had done the nine euro and you'd done it to Hamburg, I was really, I was kind of impressed and also concerned about how long that would take. How long was the journey? Yeah, so I think it was about seven and a half hours there and roughly the same back. Okay. It was a bit of a cheat because the first part of the journey was on Regionalbahn. Mm-hmm. So that was with the uh, 9-Euro Carter. And then uh, we hopped onto the uh, ICE okay. uh, to from Ingolstadt to Hamburg, which oh, was okay. the larger chunk of the journey. Okay, um, That was on the way there. It was quite comfortable. I had a little, um, one of them little cabins. I've never had one of those before. The, the Corona cabin, I think, if you're stuck with other people. But yeah, they are quite nice. The, I mean, it was okay. This The people would seem nice enough. And actually... I had work to do and I had a book with me and so it, it really just it flew by mm-hmm. and then we arrived in Hamburg I guess around about 11 went to the hotel and just went went to sleep the trip back was a little less enjoyable because you're not going on holiday and I was going to get back at 12 and I had to get up at six on the Monday uh. and so I was a bit sort of strained on that front I managed to, uh, instead of losing my mind at the beginning, I lost my mind right at the end. And my wife was like, are you a five-year-old child? And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I was so angry. I was so annoyed. Uh, just that we're just taking forever. And we stopped at every pisshole station on the way to Augsburg. And the worst thing is as well <laughs> in Germany, when you get near a, a, a city, all the stations have the name of the city in the start. So it's like Augsburg this, Augsburg that, mm-hmm. Augsburg Speckdorf. And I'm like, oh man, when are we getting to the proper place? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and we arrived and, and it was fine. But I mean, the trip trip was mega, man. Last time I was in Hamburg was 1998. Okay. So you can imagine things have changed slightly. Yeah, yeah. And there was just loads. It's a fantastic city. I can recommend it heartily. It's so big. Mm-hmm. I just didn't appreciate how big it was going to be. And that's stupid because it's a city of over like a million people or something. But yeah, if you go to Munich, it's big. But the scale of the buildings, it's because it's a post-industrial city and mm-hmm. these giant sort of warehouses and old uh, municipal buildings. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it feels very big. But yeah, it's just, oh, it's really it was cracking. Great weather for it as well. It was really, really lo- mm-hmm. lovely. Like, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. It looked really good in the in the photos you posted. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really pleased you guys had a good time. I'm not sure if people got the sarcasm of you saying it's growing up north. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> There's one person in particular who was like, It's not grim and I'm like, Oh god, it's a joke. It's the joke is it's not grim because look at it, it's beautiful, you know. But uh, yeah, the people didn't really quite fathom exactly what I was on about. It's obviously mm. a, a joke about about Britain and Britain being uh, grim up north but um yeah it was it, there's so much to do man there's so much to see i'll tell you what though i ticked off something on my bucket list that i've been waiting to do for at least a decade i went to the kunsthalle uh okay i'll tell you the full story right we're walking past the kunsthalle and my wife picked up a leaflet because she's addicted to picking up leaflets wherever she goes <laughs> right <laughs> which is useful um i used to be one of those tourists who was like oh we'll just make it up as we go along and we'll have an experience and we won't have the tourist experience and i've changed now to like let's get as much tourist shit as possible because you're bound to see stuff that you want to see and uh, she walked past the kunsthalle picked up this leaflet flicking through it and she just gave it to me absent-mindedly and i looked at the front of it what was on the front of it it's caspar david friedrich's devanderer oh really okay and and i saw it and i was like is that in the kunsthalle and she's like man no <laughs> and she knows how much i love that painting and how much like, i've always wanted to see it and she was so nonchalant i don't know if it is and i was like right and i was on my phone i went on wikipedia went everywhere and it was, became abundantly obvious that it was in that building oh wow and and but my wife had, had made a plan for the day and we were going to go uh to the the sort of fish market the half in city bit 
and we were going to go see uh, some of the old buildings, the old, um, I forget what they call it, this this sort of area of old factory buildings and old, that have been converted into apartments. And it's just near the new opera house that they've built. And it's just, it's a really beautiful area. So she really wanted to go see all that stuff. And then she wanted to go and this, there and everywhere. <laughs> and we also had a plan as well. The idea was we were going to go see uh, König der Leuven. Okay. Uh, Lion King. And I didn't realize, right, but the Lion King is, it has a purpose-built theater. Does it? Like there's a purpose-built theater across the water and uh, from the fish key, um, yet only has the Lion King. And then right next to it is the Ice Koenigan, so um, Frozen. Yeah, okay. So you had like these queues of people going, like little kids going to see Frozen and sort of people our age going to see the Lion King. Um, and that was the purpose. <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, I guess maybe would I just won't see it and... I'll just have to sort of find another way of going to see it. Maybe it'll come in a some kind of tour of of, of Germany, and maybe I'll get a, a chance to see it. And I sort of resigned myself to not seeing it. And then we went back to the hotel just before dinner, and my wife looked at the her phone and she said, "Oh, it's uh, after five o'clock. The tickets are only eight euros for the Kunsthalle." And mm -hmm. I was like, "Where's the Kunsthalle?" And she's like, two hundred and fifty meters away." Okay. I was like, I "Got changed. Ran out the door like with a sort of shirt <laughs> half buttoned." Um, jogged over, walked in, paid eight euros, walked up the stairs, asked where Devander was, was directed to it. And then I just stood and looked at that for 20 minutes. Nice. It was so cool. Um, I looked really close at it, looked at it from a distance, that sort of stuff. And uh, I was just pure, just overjoyed. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful painting. And as I was walking out, there was a guy and he was just like, he'd see me walk in. Uh, and as obviously we're going out to, to see this thing, so of course I was wearing a waistcoat. So I, I think that's one of the things that sort of identifies you, <laughs> Nick, in his bloody waistcoat. And he was, and, and and he said to us in English, he was like, "Are you leaving already?" And I was like, "I was only here to see one thing." And he was just he perplexed, totally perplexed by the whole process. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was fantastic. So we saw that. Then we went to see the Lion King. How was that? I, I have feelings about the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a bit like going to see a Vegas show, but not in Vegas. Okay. It has a very Vegas show atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You had everyone from me in my waistcoat to the guy in his ACDC t-shirt. So you had like all strata of society in this room. It was good. I don't like The Lion King particularly. I'm not a big fan. My wife and I debated whether it was going to be in German or English. And I was like, it's going to be in German. It's always in German. She's like, oh, no, the songs would be English like. And we got there, start singing in German. And I was like, right, uh -huh. here we go. It is like having a stroke hearing songs you know really well, <laughs> like the circle of life in a different language. Yeah. Because you start translating it. I can't, I, I just can't wait to be king yeah. is in German, soon I will be king. And I'm like, mm, it's not really the same meaning. Is it? That's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. And, and my wife has said like, she was quite disappointed because they even did, um, what was the Elton John song? Is it Circle of Life? Yeah, Circle of Life was. Yeah, Circle of Life. They even did that. And this is a number one song across the world when it came out. Everyone knows it in English. They sang it in German. Mm. They even sang Lion Sleeps Tonight in German, which is a real mind fuck. Because <laughs> you're like, that doesn't, none of these words fit. Right, what are you doing? <laughs> the lion schlaft jetzt, <laughs> something like that. You're like, no, oh, that's not how it is. <laughs> yeah, and um, but it was fine. Um, any advice I'd give to someone going to see it is every time Rafiki is on the stage, it's amazing. Okay, the, the, the woman that plays Rafiki is fantastic. And I'd said at the beginning, the best character is Scar. And my wife was like, no, it's the bad guy. And I was like, he's the best character, gets to chew the scenery. He'll be the best character, and he was, of course, the best character. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just went on all, a long time. The, I felt like it could have ended much sooner. But uh, and and there's a lot of people my age who were getting like overly emotional <laughs> about it. <laughs> and the the worst bit of the entire thing was at the end. And this always happens at these events, you know, like when you when you're teaching or when you're lecturing, or there's always someone in the audience who who thinks of themselves like, oh, I, I could do that. They'll ask a question at the end that mm -hmm. is like 20 minutes long or they'll ask a question they already know the answer to. Yeah. And it was the same kind of vibe at the end. That obviously, the, the curtain drops. Almost instantly, the curtain lifts again. 
and the the chorus is on stage because there's loads of people, loads of parts, loads of people dressed as animals. There was a guy who was like three birds. It was amazing. Flapped his arms and all the birds' wings were flapping and stuff. There was giraffes. There was rhinos. There was everything, right? And they're all taking their bow. And straight away, she stands up to get like stand an ovation. And I was like, hold your horses, right? And of course, the people next to us stand up, and so we can't see. So we are forced to do a standing ovation. It's not out of like our desire to show our appreciation for the, this musical. And I was like, we're probably going to do one, but we'll wait until like the main actors are on stage. So then we had to stand through, not encores, but they the, lowered the curtain, raised the curtain, lowered the curtain, raised the mm-hmm. curtain. And, I, and I'm, part of me was thinking was like... It's not like we've just seen the original cast of Hamilton, you know? <laughs> it's not the RSC. Like, it's Lion King. Like, it's pretty rote. It's pretty mechanical. It's Disney. The whole thing's designed to make you buy Disney products. Mm. Everything's marked up. And I just felt a little bit like, yeah, I don't want to be forced into a standing ovation, but there you go. That's that's where we are. I mean, it's that weird thing that Hamburg is the center for musicals in Germany. But the only one I can imagine myself going to is uh, the Wunder von Bern, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, we've spoken about the Wunder von Bern before when Germany won yeah. the 1954 World Cup in the Wankdorf Stadium, which is always worth mentioning. Of course. Who could forget? And they, yeah, the musical, is, uh, the film is good. I enjoyed the film. And Hahn, who uh, is the guy that scored the winning goal, uh, I think was born in Essen, where my wife is from Mm -hmm. and on one of the bridges we drive under to go uh back to my uh my wife's hometown it says Han Schiest tour tour on the bridge and that's really cool but yeah I can't say that I would be particularly interested in seeing the Lion King in Hamburg especially in German in English I might be a bit more tempted I did the thing that I knew would work for me which is um I, I just blasted loads of beer before I went (laughs) <laughs> I just I was like nicely oiled and I was like this this will get me through it and then the they had the intermission and I, I knocked a couple more beers and then it was fine I mean it's not it wasn't for me so like basically my wife can't take any kind of criticism of the things she likes so if I say like well I didn't like the costume she'd be like I knew you'd hated it so I was just like <laughs> oh well I really liked I really liked this bit and oh I liked Rafiki and oh and like and sort of just try to be nice about it because I can't be a bit of a an opinionated arsehole said the guy on the podcast yeah that's, that's the whole premise of this of this show <laughs> of course so but it was nice and like I said Hamburg was lovely and we had another day on the Sunday and we'd obviously seen the the Speicherstadt where the um, the old warehouses were. So we did the next touristy thing, which was we got a the Mississippi Queen boat. Ah, naturally. And went along the the Elbe and down to the uh, where the export sort of cranes are, and it, that was really impressive. You just saw loads of uh, tanker ships, and and they just look insane up close. Mm-hmm. And that was like a weird part of the tour but it was also really interesting so we saw all that but it was weird looking at sort of germany's mighty export market in a mississippi (laughs) river boat (laughs) like it was a bit odd and and they would in fairness to them they'd they'd gone all out you like you went downstairs and they had like a full it looked like the set of maverick oh no really it was like saloon style yeah, it looked amazing. I did like. I was like, I would quite enjoy getting hammered in here. Um, it looked like the kind of place that if you had a party, it would be a bit of a laugh. I mean, we've got one of those in Nuremberg as well. Yeah. Which it's is called the like, Mississippi Queen as well. There's the Mississippi Queen. They do metal nights and things. I, yeah. I know I'm not tempted at all. Um, obviously, one of the you mentioned already the fish market in Hamburg, mm-hmm. and we've said in the intro that I like a good pickled fish. Um, so, did you do what I asked? I requested that you ate a fish sandwich. Are you going to break my heart now and tell me you didn't? I went and looked at them, and the the just looking at them made me go, nah, I don't really like fish anyway. Looking at them just, oh, no, it turned my stomach. What did I have instead? We went for a curry. Okay. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that traditional hamburger. Yeah, it, just, <laughs> it was lovely. Uh, but, yeah, all power to you if you want to have, uh, like, a, a full-on fish roll mop sandwich, but... It's not my... Uh, I do. I really, really do. I want one now. I just had dinner and I want a, a pickled herring sandwich now. Uh, I would uh, I would avoid it like the plague, which I pretty much did. Um, there was a lot of other things that we ate, but that wasn't one of the 
one of the options. I mean, we've spoken before about how far we are from the ocean here, uh, down in our part of Bavaria. Uh, so you'll be able to get a fish sandwich that has literally travelled a couple of hundred metres uh, into my hand. Sounds like an absolute dream come true. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I'll have to look about going to Hamburg sometime soon. I mean, it's it's worth it just for the, the sea breeze. It smells mm. like it's near the sea. It smells like it's near the water. It, I was looking constantly for, like, is that different? Is that different? And the thing that I noticed mostly were people are easier to make jokes and have a laugh mm-hmm. and, and they're less serious than the people around my neck of the woods. Uh, they're a little bit more sarcastic. I mean, there's lots of things that are different from the like the levels of poverty are totally. Every bridge has a tent city underneath it. Those kinds of things that you're like, okay. oh, I am really insulated. I've never felt more Bavarian walking around that city. As you just saw <laughs> people were like, like because okay. it got every type of person and every type of fashion and every type of sort of activity, and it was like people sort of dressed very liberally, shall we say? And it was magi- okay. the, the Bavarian in me was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's his nick normal um and then like the british part of me was like that's cool or whatever but yeah it was it was a real adventure but i'm still kind of recovering got a bit sunburned so uh-huh. obviously I, I don't want to say that it's like newcastle but it's one of the few cities in germany that is quite comparable coastal working class heritage like did you? Did it make you feel more at home than you do down here sometimes? I had a vision of a world in which my wife had come from Hamburg and not from Bavaria and how things could have been different. Yeah, yeah. And we sort of talked about that. I was like, imagine if you'd come from Hamburg. And I was like, yeah. it's actually quite, it's a little bit of a, a piss take that she didn't because it would have made my flights easier to get back. But <laughs> it would have been much more convenient, yeah. She just really didn't <laughs> consider um, where she was born. Um it was it's a really like urban city it's the brickwork it's yeah a lot of it just felt very newcastle and uh, the, 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 i think there is an affinity between hamburgers and and geordies for sure mm-hmm. uh, although they didn't really understand it when i was like yeah man what's going on lake and they were like <laughs> um yeah I did get a really important piece of advice on the train that I was like, oh, I can just say moin, moin. And they're like, no, you can only say moin. And I was like, okay, why? And they're like, because you'll sound like a tourist. And I was like, well, I am am a a tourist. tourist. (laughs) So, yeah. But I heartily recommend Hamburg to anyone. Go and see the Speichstadt. Go see uh, Caspar David Friedrich. Go have a wander around the... uh, the um the fish key and the fish market um and uh if you so desire get a roll mop or or two uh, don't tell me about it though email simon uh, yeah you can also enjoy an astra which of course is a very iconic german beer very cool bottle great design tasty as well i had um a duckstein which i'd never had before which is always coming up in the beer pokal and yeah. what was the other one flensburg i think it is was the other one okay uh all Nice. Duckstein's probably the worst of the three. Astra's just solid, though. Can't go wrong with that. It's really, it's lovely. Very, very yeah. nice. So have a roll mop, drink an Astra, go see Casper David Friedrich. That's my review of, of Hamburg. Nice. <laughs> Quality. Well, as everyone knows, it's summer, which means sunburn in some instances if you have the uh, complexion that i do but for most people it means piles and piles of ice cream all the ice cream shops are open they're selling some of the most amazing things in the world but one of the things that kind of made me laugh was the naming conventions of ice cream so i promised simon a few weeks ago that i'd make a quiz Mm -hmm. that would test simon's ultimate knowledge of the different types of ice cream you might come across in Germany. And I have titled my quiz, Ice to See You, to See You Ice. <laughs> so, I just saw the producer roll his eyes. How depressing is that? <laughs> he might not like it, but I liked it. Anyway, so we'll start with the first question. Simon, yes. what type of ice cream would you get if you ordered spaghetti neri? Spaghetti neri? Yeah. So it'd be vanilla with, I'm assuming, a cherry sauce. 
Oh, well, I'm looking for what makes the maybe the spaghetti neri sort of different from your traditional German sp- uh, spaghetti ice that you get, which is the ice cream looks like spaghetti. Mm-hmm. There's something that makes it very particular to... Have they made it black? Close. Um, it looks like something. Look like bolognese? It does indeed look like bolognese. <laughs> it is a very weird looking thing. And the only reason you know it's not bolognese is there's a giant flake in the middle of it. <laughs> it consists of uh, strawberry sauce. The ice cream, I think, is chocolate. It's got chocolate chips on the top, which look a little bit like Hackfleisch. Okay. And f- for some reason, it's got hazelnuts in it, which does detract slightly from the bolognese effect. But yeah, <laughs> it is. it looks exactly like a bolognese. Okay. Good work. Oh, We're off to a cracking start. Auspicious start, <laughs> I would say. Okay, next question. What ingredients would you expect to find in a fitness becker? A fitness becker has got to have a load of fruit in it, I guess. Do I have to identify all the fruits in it? It's got some fruit in it. There's, there's other important ingredients. A frozen yogurt instead of ice cream, maybe, in a, fit, in a fitness becker? It does have yogurt in it, indeed. Um, it's the thing that makes it the fitness becker is the thing I'm looking for. Oh, very healthy food. Uh, has it got quinoa on it? <laughs> it's close. Close, but no cigar. My friend, it's got muesli in it. Oh, muesli. Of course it has. Of course. It's a combination of fructose, muesli, yogurt, fruit, uh, possibly an apple, and some honey. Okay. So that's your traditional combinations there. But yeah, you almost are. I think I'll give you that point. That's very, very generous of you. I mean, really, there's no reward at the end of this except my um, admiration. So uh, what would you be given if you asked for Heiser Liebe, aside from a potential restraining order? Heiser Liebe, this is one that I do actually not. I don't really eat ice cream, but that's, uh, yeah, with hot cherry compote, I guess is probably the, the right term, on top of vanilla. A combination of ice cream, warm fruit sauce, usually raspberry or strawberry, and a matching liqueur. Mm. So, yeah, good combinations. Okay. But yeah, it is called Hot Love. Yeah, Hot Love is a bit of a... You wouldn't sell that back home. I don't order it because it's the same reason I don't say Schlange when I talk about cues. Because uh-huh. I'm not entirely sure I'm going to use it correctly. <laughs> and people are going to think I'm talking about my penis. Yeah. Um, and I'd prefer that not to happen. <laughs> not in public anyway. Okay, next up. Why might British people be especially attracted to a Minzerbecker? A Minzerbecker. What makes it attractive to British people? Because British people like mint. I don't know. Something very particular. It's something that German people associate with British people more than any others. It's got an after eight in it. Of course it does. It's usually the one with after eight mints, uh-huh. which I have still not quite worked out, but I'm assuming it's probably because of some ultra-effective advert in the late 80s, Yeah, which means that all German people seem to associate after eight mints with the British. Excellent. Okay. Next question. Well, this is the last question. We do have a bonus question, but well, this is the last official question. Okay. What two nuts are vital to making a Mozart Becker? Two nuts? Hazelnut? Nah. Almond? Mandel? Almond, yes. Yeah, it's got to have the marzipan vibe has got to be involved, I guess, on a Mozart. I don't know. Oh, you've got, you're getting that. It's pistachio and almond. Ah. And why? Why does it need to have pistachio and almond? You said marzipan before. What is it about a Mozart Becker that makes it so Mozarty? <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know how it qualifies as Mozarty. It's because of the uh, Mozart Kugel, the little chocolates that have uh, marzipan and usually a bit of pistachio in the middle. Oh, do they? I've never had one. Okay. Yeah, I only know them because Augsburg sells them because uh, Mozart's dad was born here. Yeah. As if that wasn't the most lame claim to fame and it's like oh the the dad of someone famous was born here <laughs> um yeah so we sell a lot of those motor kugels in town and yeah they're everywhere and they're these little like chocolates marzipan mm-hmm. things um frankly they're rank but i don't tell people because i might get deported yeah yeah do you want the bonus question of course i want the bonus question excellent what ingredients are in a croco ice becker is this one that looks like a frog okay I was going to give you the Bina Maya, but I thought that was too easy. Bina Maya is the ice cream of choice for small children. Looks like a bee. I don't have a small child, so I have no idea what a Bina Maya is. I felt like it would have been cheating. Uh, I don't know. You're going to have to put me out of my misery on this one. Is it coconut? I mean, close. It's apparently a play on the term croquant becker, 
which is usually includes hazelnuts or mixed chopped nuts, almond biscuits, chocolate and vanilla. But I saw this in my uh, local ice cream shop and I was like, what? Is this a joke? <laughs> Are we so cool now? Are we so hipster that we're going for Croco? I felt like uh, insulted, but I also ordered it and ate it in a rather disgusting short amount of time. So, okay. um, But yeah, it was a bit of a weird, weird... Uh, Naming convention for sure. Yeah, I, I kind of just say why don't you just call it croquant? But hey, there you go. But it's one of my favourites for sure. Um, one other thing on this point, not to do technically with ice cream, but I did discover that my local coffee place has finally been introduced to iced coffee. Oh, it's only taken roughly six years to get to Germany, but I imagine now iced coffee will take over completely. Uh, there's a couple of places I've seen uh, are now selling it, and it just it just made me laugh that the first iced coffee I ever had was in 2016 when I went to visit you, <laughs> and now I can finally have one in my local uh, bakery. And the way they advertised it is if they just discovered <laughs> like the meaning of life or something. It was sort of, and it was people like drinking them outside, like wide eyed with sort of excitement, like they'd again just discovered some hidden depths or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, are you a big fan of iced coffee? I mean, I've, I stopped drinking coffee um, a couple of years ago now, but a good iced coffee would get me tempted, that's for sure. I mean, when it comes to hot drinks, I just have tea. That's my jam. That's all I need. Um, but yeah, when I was living in the US, I did do quite a lot of iced coffee. Uh, Starbucks did a nitro iced coffee that was particularly lovely and smooth and bitter and lovely. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this prospect. Well, thanks for your quiz, Nick. That's really exciting. But I thought what was really interesting is actually to have a look at how bizarre flavours can be uh, because a lot of the flavours you talked about there in the quiz and German flavours are pretty standard. Um, but when I lived in, in Portland in the Pacific Northwest, we had a company called Salt and Straw. And Salt and Straw are very famous for doing some really bizarre flavours of ice cream. So I just wanted to run a few past our audience to see how exciting these sound compared to spaghetti ice. Uh, so at the moment, they've got a couple of special monthly flavours on the West Coast. Uh, so, Nick, how do you feel about cinnamon and honey fried chicken ice cream? Oh, I'd probably eat it. Yeah, of course you I'd would. I'd be disgusted with myself, but... Uh, what about baked brie and fig cheesecake? Oh, fuck off, man. Like, what are you doing? No. Okay, deviled egg custard with smoked black tea. Can I just have, like, stracciatella? <laughs> okay, I'll play it nice. Honey lavender? Uh, okay, I mean, it's normal. I'm going full American here. Cinnamon snickerdoodle. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Oh, it's got peanuts in it, sure. Uh, yeah, straight away. Pear and blue cheese? I would... I wouldn't kick it out of bed. And they'd also do a cold brew coffee, cashew praline, um, which does sound pretty good. They got famous for doing one that was... Uh, smoked black cherries and bone marrow it was amazing it was one of the best tasting things really um it was really really good um but yeah this chain uh, on the west coast and they've also got a couple on the east coast now people would queue for hundreds of meters uh, to try yeah potato ice cream and all sorts of weird flavors so yeah germany's still got some space to go into the really really bizarre flavor market i'd say they did have spargel ice cream at my local place, but they sold out before I could get any, so I didn't get to try it, yeah. which I'm not really that disappointed about. I guess, I mean, I suppose you're not going to get any of those. I'd imagine maybe up north, maybe in Berlin, you might get yeah. something like that, but I can't imagine the conservative ice cream dealers down here would be so open to the idea of chicken-flavoured ice cream. <laughs> Spätzle flavored ice cream, Maltaschen flavored ice cream. I, I think we're we're hitting key notes on the palate of the locals here. <laughs> yeah, so we'll stop talking about it because otherwise we'll give away all our greatest ideas and we'll never get paid for it. So, of course, it's that time of year. We've talked about it before. Oktoberfest is coming. We have the right music for such festivities. So, big up, Close and Source, for that banging umpa jazz. But 
bad news at the same time. Oktoberfest is back, but it is going to be a lot more expensive uh, than what people had hoped for. We all knew this was coming. Beer inflation is a real thing. We've spoken about it a lot on the show. Uh, and Wiesen Oktoberfest is a great opportunity to gouge people because it is very much a captive audience who just want to get really drunk on Wiesen beer. Um, we've been here for over a decade. What's been a sort of standard price for a Mars, for a litre? I think I remember the first Volksfest I ever went to it being something like eight euros back in... 2012 maybe in the good old days it was around there yeah about eight euros and then it crept up to 10 and 10 sort of a justifiable number uh those days of a 10 euro mass are long gone unfortunately so yeah we were hooked up with this uh with the beer pricing nice and early from our boy Stu, um who's now decided he's never going to go to oktoberfest because it's too expensive and yeah when i opened up this this article the second one uh, on the list is the Augustina Festhalle. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, Augustina is a beer we've spoken about many, many times. It is a, a Munich icon. Um, and yeah, for a, a litre, for a mass of that, uh, we're now looking at €12.80 Euro 80, uh, for a mass of the Augustina Festhalle. Uh, it's the cheapest price, I believe, you can get in Oktoberfest, right? It is. <laughs> that's, the, that's the scary thing about it. I saw and I was like, oh... That's expensive for Augustina. And then I looked down the rest of the list and realised, as you say, it is the cheapest one we have. Uh, Fischer Ferroni uh, is twelve ninety, so pretty close. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else is over €13. Euros. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing topping over €13. Euros. We have the Kiefer Wiesenschenker, uh, €13.70 is the most expensive. Um, but yeah, it is... It's, it's pretty expensive. Before the pandemic, well, certainly Bavarians understood inflation by how much the yeah. beer had gone up at Oktoberfest. And it was usually by about 50 cents. That was usually the sort of price increase over the over um, year to year. And then we've had a two-year gap. And I think it was like, a, was it like 11 euros before in 2019, maybe? It's not a massive leap, really, is it? It's not like we're talking... 15 euros a mass well i mean of course as i say we haven't had the oktoberfest for a couple of years and so we do have the information for the price increase since 2019 which of course was the last oktoberfest uh, so the augustina festhaler which we've already mentioned has gone up 12 percent uh since 2019 um mm-hmm. which isn't the the smallest leap the fischer Ferroni, which i also mentioned is only a 10 percent mm-hmm. increase and the biggest increase we have um, comes in at 17% uh, for the Oxenbraterei. I wonder why the why is the pricing different? I, I mean, aren't they all paying for the same, essentially the same ingredients? Is there something you're getting at the Oxenbraterei that you're not getting somewhere else? I mean, it's horses for courses, really, in, in, in what you're looking for. Of course, the Oxenbraterei is really famous. Uh, Oktoberfest sell so I think yeah you do pay you pay premiums based on how you feel Oktoberfest should be celebrated uh, I was looking at a few articles that were like how and why and it's the same stuff that we've talked about before I think this the, the ingredients are more expensive mm-hmm. but I do think that's like a big leap for some of these places I wonder if they're going to I mean, this is something we talked about when I mentioned I'd been to Augsburger Plera and that it was packed and that it would probably be the same at Oktoberfest when it happens. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Erlangen Bergkirchweih mm-hmm. and that was jammed full of people as well. Uh, even when it was raining, it was packed nonetheless. So I have a feeling that it won't matter to a to a vast amount of people. But it does feel a little bit like, yeah... I mean, there was. I read the Süddeutsche Zeitung article, and this is from um, Clemens Baumgartner, who we've mentioned before. He's the the boss, essentially, of of everything that happens at the uh, at the Wiesen. And he said, "I'm glad that 14 euros were not exceeded." That's like, what a target! Yeah, <laughs> silver linings. Maybe it's just uh, that I've got used to drinking beer quite cheaply. But for me, like a, a big day out in the pub, getting nicely pissed. Is fifty euros? I, that's how much beer I can normally drink if I'm really having a big one. 
and 50 euros doesn't even get you four masks anymore now Mm. and so it's going to be a very very expensive day if you think that you're going to have yeah maybe four five masks over the course of a day Mm -hmm. at oktoberfest plus your food plus your transport even with the nine euro ticket yeah you're, you're looking at spending yeah edging towards 100 euros for a day out uh, and for a day's drinking in Germany, there are definitely lots and lots of ways you can get as drunk um, for a lot less money. But of course, that isn't the target of Germans when they drink. Um, this is a very British approach. I think at Oktoberfest, it's a target. I mean, a lot of people enjoy getting hammered. Yeah. Um, so I will say this. This is probably the more shocking bit is the beer's gone up, but not just the beer, uh, a spezi mass, and spezi is the sort of favoured soft drink of most Germans. It's a mix of orange and cola. Uh, can you guess how much a spezi mass is? I dread to think. Uh, I mean, it should be about six euro, I guess. Twelve eighty. Twelve eighty. Wow. Yeah. Twelve eighty. And even even uh, old. Uh, Old Herr Baumgartner had said that uh, he's a bit disappointed because this is a family drink. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, aren't you the the boss? <laughs> Can't you do something about it? Come on. Um, but I think, uh, again, there's a lot of, maybe there's a lot of people who desperately need the money. Um, we don't necessarily know the financial straits of some of these companies that haven't been able to host a, an Oktoberfest uh, for many years. It's still not entirely clear if it's actually going to be uh, cancelled because of COVID. There was some talk from uh, Karl Lauterbach, the, the the health minister for Germany, saying that there may be some developments and a new uh, of a new virus variant. So there's still some shaky ground. So it might just be that we end up saving some money because it's not actually on. Uh, but as as many people have said, it's once once the ball's rolling, it's going to be difficult to stop Oktoberfest coming at you. Mm. Uh, so um, we'll just have to see. But yeah, I mean, those prices seem a bit excessive. But I suppose for one day, I can see a lot of people not really caring about about the price increase. If it was part of my youth, if I'd grown up with Oktoberfest, I wouldn't give a shit. I would be totally prepared to spend a hundred euros on that day. It wouldn't matter to me at all. But I think, yeah. There are, I say, there are lots of other fantastic beer festivals all over Germany where you can have mm-hmm. a really fantastic experience where it isn't as full on and crowded and busy and exploitive when it comes to pricing. Uh, for example, yeah, what just happened the other day here in Nuremberg, we had our beer fest, which is yeah, Burgrabenfest, where you drink in the moat. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of space. It's not as claustrophobic as I imagine. Mm-hmm some of the tents can be in Oktoberfest. It's still expensive compared to going and buying beer yourself, but compared to this, it's very, very good value. Uh, so yeah, Anafest is another... Do you get masses there? Yeah, you can. I think so. They aren't as readily available. Of course, it isn't the standard measure. But I think there are a couple of places that sell masses, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Yeah, you mentioned Anafest. That's a big one. Uh, I'll, before I, I mentioned Erlangen Beer, Kirkvai. Yeah. These are all all some solid alternative um, options, and I think as well we get another round of Volksfests in September, mm-hmm. um, just before I think Oktoberfest. So, and they're generally, uh, of course, a little bit cheaper too. So, there are alternatives that you can uh, you can save a bit of money on, but it's Oktoberfest, isn't it? It is different. It's a different beast from a local Kiava. Um but yeah, try them all out. Why not? Live life. Get out of there, get pissed. <laughs> get out of there, get pissed. Puke into a bin. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, of course, this is kind of scary how expensive all of this is. So I figured that what we should do is cast an international light on how it's actually very, very affordable compared to other places. Um, <laughs> which other place are you thinking of, Simon? I'm thinking of the UK. I'm thinking of London, uh, which, of course... <laughs> That's a surprise. ...isn't a cheap city uh, in any way, shape, or form these days. Um, but yeah, The Guardian put out an article not that long ago, uh, and the headline caught my eye because it's terrifying. Uh, and the headline was, UK beer costs soar as average price of pint tops eight pounds in one london pub eight pounds for those who haven't been going to the uk very often is nine euro 31 nine euro 31 for a pint it's wild the worst thing about this article is that didn't name the place that was selling eight pound pints 
I think it should name and shame those places. Right? <laughs> I agree. So yeah, obviously a pint isn't a standard measure here in Germany, but eight quid a pint is the equivalent of paying nineteen euro sixty four for a mass. Oh my good god, that is abnormal. Oktoberfest is good value. Is such good value, in fact, that you could fly from London to Munich with EasyJet, go to Oktoberfest, and actually spend less money. Like you need a hotel. Well, you don't really need a hotel. You can just pass out in a park in Wiesen, go to English Garden, sleep it off. I don't encourage English people to go to go to, to Munich and fall asleep in parks. That's like the last thing any of us need. It's not going to be good credibility, but I think... Be good to the police. Do what they tell you. I, I was in Newcastle and I found places that were selling beers for like £6 and these would be like cans of beer, not necessarily pints. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. I have a feeling though that a pint is going to be... It's, you're paying for the environment in which you're drinking it, surely. You're not paying for... A, if it's a pint of Bex or something, you'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, eight pounds. <laughs> eight pounds for a pint of Bex. The place you're drinking in it better be good because otherwise, what the hell is the point? Yeah. I mean, but the fact remains that this isn't just a London issue, but of course, London is the centre of all this. But yeah, the Guardian reported the average price of a pint has risen more than 70%. Uh, since the financial crisis from 15 years ago. So it's £2.30 in 2008 uh, to 3.95. So that is, I mean, 3.95 for a pint of beer is, is a pretty good price. That's yeah, mm-hmm. €4.70 uh, as the national average. So it's still, it's more than double what the German national average is. Um, mm. But yeah beer's more expensive in the UK. It, it also mentioned that if if the price had followed inflation, mm-hmm. or just, just inflation, that the cost of a pint would be £3.35, which seems quite reasonable, really. And it does feel like, I mean, you know what it's like. You go to a cool-looking place and you order a beer and it's definitely going to be marked up because Britain's not against purely price gouging the shit out of people yeah. just for the fact that they've got some eclectic furniture and a nice nicely shaped cushion um they'll, they'll charge you but if you want if you want something a bit more uh 1970s then you've just got to get on on a train and go to lancashire mm. where the cost of a pint is still apparently 179 which either means lancashire still in the 70s or <laughs> it's maybe maybe it's one of those bubble cities, you know. They've got like a big sort of time warp around it. But uh, I'd happily pay one seventy nine. But that does beg the question: if you're charging eight pounds a pint to sit in a nice establishment and drink your expensive beer, um, where the hell are you drinking your one seventy nine <laughs> pint of beer? Is it a car park? Is it a car park outside yeah. an Aldi? Or someone chucks bricks at you. <laughs> you get you get beaten up by some some scary looking teenagers. Um, man, it just feels it would feel exactly like when I was a, a kid in Scotland. Yeah, maybe I'll do that just for the nostalgia. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I've never paid less than two pound for a pint uh, in a pub. Where did I go? I went to a social club in the northeast, and I think it was one fifty a pint. That's really cheap. Yeah, and I almost cried. <laughs> like it was the most beautiful moment. Social clubs are always a good choice, but then also if you're a social club, you have to play bingo, uh-huh. which is not always that nice. Because if you get it wrong, people will beat the crap out of you for saying bingo too early. <laughs> people do not like that. I guess we're in the right place then. I suppose that we're not getting gouged by bar staff for our beer. Yeah, I'm. I'm thankful. That's for sure. I mean. As we've spoken about before, my wife had her birthday party not that long ago, and I went mm. to my local bottle shop, and I spent just over a hundred euros. And there is still a lot of alcohol left downstairs, even after a party with quite a lot of people at it. Yeah, if I spent a hundred quid uh, on on eight pound pints, <laughs> it would have been quite a boring evening. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it would have been. It would have been three pints each, and then we're all going home. Everyone share a half. so of course one of the things we've now got used to seeing everywhere we go every city we live in every village every dwarf is a test center they are everywhere of course and that is a good thing Uh, my local one is run by my local doctors 
And before my test result had even been listed on the app, my doctor had already phoned me to tell me that I had COVID. But of course, it is not all good people doing good things for the good of the people. Um, So we have a story here uh, coming from Freiburg, where a 20-year-old man, yeah, he's now in quite a lot of hot water because he created a fake COVID testing centre and he made nearly 6 million euros which came from the health insurance companies. So, I mean, he wasn't scamming customers. He wasn't charging people to have their COVID tests. He was just billing the health insurance companies. I, I kind of feel like this might be a little bit of genius. Well, I mean, it's fraud. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can call it genius. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty good bit of fraud as far as it goes. If we isolate the idea from the crime... <laughs> I like how you're going about this. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think the idea... Um, and, and this was his this was his excuse as well, wasn't it? He said that he'd um, he'd done it essentially to show how easy it would be to essentially defraud the the insurance companies and how they weren't paying a lot of attention to who was setting up these test centres. And he uh, yeah he he just he just essentially set one up. What was the address he used? The address was something ridiculous. He used like the the, the main party street as the address yeah. for for it, and no one seemed to check. And before long, he had a bank balance of something like five point seven million euros. Which I don't know about you, if you were scamming someone and you looked at your bank account and saw that you had five point seven million euros, you might like shit yourself. Yeah, it's, it's a, a worrying bit. amount of money because <laughs> like someone <laughs> is going to notice that at some point. I mean, the interesting thing is that they didn't even ever do a test. No. The the only victim here really was was the, the, the health insurance company. I think the instinct of a lot of people is, yeah, fuck the insurance industry, the bastards. But here in Germany, I think we, we have a more positive relationship with insurance companies, especially medical ones. Like, there's always room for improvement, of course. And also, to put it in perspective, six million, and this is so far, I think, the only case of billing fraud at a test centre... I mean, how much money has been written off by the UK government in terms of COVID response is billions. Billions of billions. So this shows that although this guy did do this, he's been caught, and there hasn't been billions of euros spunked up the wall. Um, I think it was 11 billion euros that they just wrote off as money that we're never going to see again. Yeah, it was over 10. Yeah, I know for sure. Totally nuts. So one of the other interesting things is it wasn't the insurance company that spotted this the best bit as well it wasn't like the insurance company were like hang on a second uh we haven't seen any any sort of evidence that this is a test center nobody's been positive at this one test center in freiburg (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i said it's a lot of money 5.7 million and it was actually the bank a bank employee who noticed that suddenly this 20 year old had 5.7 million euros and they contacted the authorities uh, so without this bank employee, who knows? He might have got away with it. Yeah, he would have got away with it if it hadn't been for that studious bank employee. <laughs> <laughs> but it says that it, it, apparently after they investigated it, his bank account was frozen and the money was taken out of his account and donated to uh, the doctor's association that would have been contracted by this health insurance service. So the money went straight out of his account back to where it was meant to be, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a funny tale. He's now been found guilty of fraud and he has, uh, it's weird actually, I thought like that level of fraud and that scale, prison time surely. You would assume so, yeah. Not in Germany. Nope. Oh no. He's got a, a probationary period of one year after which the court will decide whether to impose a further sentence and he's to pay a fine of 1,500 euros to a charitable organisation. It doesn't say which charitable organisation, which I thought was an interesting punishment. Yeah. It's a nice way of doing it. I mean, yeah, one and a half thousand euro donation. Like, yeah, you've got to be happy with that as far as the punishment goes. It's pretty mild. And yeah, a year of good behaviour, then they're not going to sentence him. I'm assuming from the way this is worded. There's there's a couple of other points that I would highlight. The first one is that he came upon this idea uh, while partying. <laughs> so it just says, um, he said that the, the fake COVID test center was a crazy idea that he came up with while partying. And I'm just like, all right, so you were pissed. You were just pissed and you were like, all right, I can do this. This could probably work. <laughs> Let's see. 
and that he invoiced for 491,000 COVID tests for the month of March to June. You'd imagine that's got to be the busiest COVID test centre in all of Germany. And this is some like village near the French border. It's really, it's, it was an oversight in many ways. It's a little bit much, a little bit much for sure. But like I said, it's quite a lenient punishment he's received. Uh, and uh, he did say that he was... He wanted to show how easy it was to fool the insurance associations, which feels like that's an argument that one of his lawyers has come up with. Yeah. I have a feeling that you don't sit in a bar and go having six or seven pints and going, oh, you know what? I reckon we can make some money out of this. And let's do it for noble reasons. <laughs> and teach that industry a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem realistic. But not bad for a 20-year-old man. Uh, not bad at all. Maybe take up a different hobby that isn't going to land you with a fine and a potential prison sentence. I mean, in my head, I'm imagining it's going to be like, catch me if you can with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's going to be taken on by the insurance industry. And like workers like showing the loopholes and the ways that they could be taken advantage of in the future. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's there's plen- plenty of job opportunities. He surely can show some holes in their, uh, in their paperwork, you know. Uh, however he did it it seems like he did it really easily as well like he, he sort of set it up and then off it went and suddenly he had millions of, of euros in his bank account it does make you wonder though i guess if you really really was a criminal you'd get a couple of million in your bank account and you'd be off right yeah i wouldn't have waited for five million i would have waited oh, i got a million see ya um, <laughs> <laughs> wait maybe i'm giving the game away <laughs> yeah if, if next episode nick's not here anymore we know that his plan has worked. <laughs> yeah, finally, I've I've managed to uh, accumulate some ill-gotten gains. Old embezzlement Houghton. <laughs> That's what they call me. <laughs> Servus, Leute. Servus. That brings us to the end of the show. We're off to smash a shit ton of oddly flavoured ice cream and reasonably priced beer. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes? Only takes a minute and can really, really help us. You can also now do star ratings on Spotify, so chuck some of them stars our way if you feel so inclined. Retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag DeckersFromHome or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com forward slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked in fancy ice creams and reasonable beer. And if you don't feel like donating directly to the podcast, you can have a check of the notes for this show and previous shows and you'll find links to various charities supporting refugees and those fleeing and fighting in ukraine so yeah consider donating some money that way too as ever if you have any questions feedback or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover you can tweet me simon on at decades from home and you can get nick at at 40 german you can also get us at 40 german at gmail.com and if you have time take a look at 40 german.com weekly articles are up every saturday and all that's left to say is dankeschön and bis zum nächsten mal ne tschüss